And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then, here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Last week I shared with you that we were concluding our summer series on prayer. And while we did, we're really going to keep on talking about prayer today because prayer is something we're always talking about in the church. And today we're talking about a specific kind of prayer that is necessary for revival. Now revival is a broad word that can mean a lot of things in the life of the church. We've associated it in the past with people coming forward to the in the altar call and giving their lives to Jesus or to rededicate their lives like at old-fashioned camp meetings. We've reduced it to fit the church as an organization to increasing numbers, a profession of faith and membership. And yes, all of those things can be fruits of revival, but at its root Revival is the movement of God's Holy Spirit encountering the ready, willing, and waiting heart of the church with a capital C with new life springing forth. Revive, bringing back life. To be so overcome with the new life that Jesus offers that we want to be in his presence all the time. Where we are overwhelmed by him, where we experience heaven on earth, and we want for everything to revolve around who he is. Now, first and foremost, we need to remember that revival is something that God initiates, that God does, and that God orchestrates. We cannot create revival without our creator making the first move. Revival occurs throughout the book of Acts in the early church because the earliest disciples were praying and waiting and watching for God to move so that when he did move, they were ready for it. And you know what three things are that we struggle with? We've been talking about this summer in a world of instant gratification. We often struggle with praying and waiting and watching. One of the aspects of prayer our world struggles with is most necessary for revival to begin. And that is a prayer of repentance. Turning from prioritizing the things of the world over the purity of the Holy Spirit. Turning from idols. Turning from pride and jealousy and bitterness and all of those other vices that will destroy us from the inside out if we're not careful. Friends, we can't experience a revival and receive new life from God's throne room as individuals or as a community until we continually walk away from the old life and leave behind the old habits. The prophet Isaiah, as he begins the the oracles that God gives to him to deliver to the people of Israel, wastes no time getting to the topics of sin and repentance. Now, we're focusing, as you can see in your order of worship, on verse 16 and following, which is where we get some good news. But prior to that, Isaiah doesn't mince words about what the problem is that he's addressing. Listen to verses 2, 3, and 4 from Isaiah chapter 1. These are not in your bulletin, um, and you'll see why in a moment. They're not in your bulletin because I didn't want to preach too much on them today. The Lord has spoken. I reared children. I brought them up. They have rebelled against me. My people take no thought. Sinful nation. People laden with iniquity. Brood of evil doers. Depraved children. They have turned their back on me. Now, if all of that makes you squirm a little bit, that's good. 
That's what it's supposed to do. Because these are the words of a heavenly father trying to get our attention with a holy fear and a deep heartache. Let's never forget in the Old Testament, when we hear passages like this, we so often want to dismiss them as, oh, that's an angry God passage. I I don't like these passages where God seems angry or it sounds like it's the wrath of God. Friends, let us always remember when we hear something like that, that makes us squirm, that underneath that power, underneath that authority with which God is speaking is a deep heartache of a father's heart for his children who keep getting into trouble and he keeps trying to show them the way and yet they keep choosing the path of destruction. It is a father's heart desperate to see us change. When I was growing up in Jackson, when we would go visit my dad's parents in Monticello, Mississippi, which was about 75 miles south of Jackson, we used to drive down Highway 27. My grandfather called it the 27 Highway. And there was a a lot about halfway down Highway 27 between Crystal Springs and Monticello was what we called the Old Testament Highway 27 Prophet. It was a man who specialized in making signs on which he emblazoned all of these passages from the Old Testament about God being angry with the wicked every day. Yeah, friends, that's a scripture in the Old Testament. God is angry with the wicked every day. Passages like those verses I just read to you from Isaiah. And I remember growing up and I remember thinking this man never stops making signs. There were always more signs and they were there on the roadside. And of course they made us uncomfortable along the way. But it also gave us a great conversation piece along the way. But one day when I was in seminary and I was was home for the holidays, I was driving down the 27 highway to uh, to see my grandparents and go to church with. Them. I saw the uh, the old te- the uh, Highway 27 prophet and his signs and everything, and I noticed the new ones that were up. And I got to thinking about the fact that when I got to the end of 27 Highway, my grandfather was going to be there to greet me, and my grandfather was the opposite of an angry father or an angry grandfather. He was full of nothing but compassion and love, and he would be waiting and watching for me to arrive like a good, good father would do. And I remember thinking in that moment, this is what, it's like God is giving us these warnings in the scripture because he's at the end of the road waiting for us, and yet we find all these things along the road of life that cause us to stray, that cause us to idolize, that cause us to deprioritize what is most important which is Jesus, his son, who was given for us. God desires our worship, our adoration, and we continually give it away to what doesn't satisfy. And God does not want for us to destroy ourselves. He's waiting at the end of that road and he's giving us warnings along the way so that we can return to our first love, who is our heavenly father and Jesus Christ, his son. And there are consequences if we don't change, if we don't repent. We're the ones who suffer and he does not want for that to happen to us. So you know what he did to make that happen? We're going to sing about it at the end of the service and we're going to celebrate it in this meal in just a moment. God made a way where we could not make a way for ourselves. A sacrifice was made once and for all. Look at verse 18 of today's passage. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they were red like crimson, they shall become 
like wool. The blood of Jesus that poured forth from that cup and from the tree of Calvary has been given to us for the cleansing of our hearts. Death had to occur for us to experience eternal life. And we have to die to sin daily to experience the revival of the Holy Spirit. And revival begins not because we decide, hey, I'm going to go to church and get revived today. That's good. I mean, we want that attitude, don't we? But revival begins with saying, God, I don't deserve this. God, I am a sinner who deserves every judgment that the Old Testament prophet on Highway 27 put on his sign. But And when we start at that place of repentance, friends, it re, we find out repentance begins not with doing something, but in being claimed by Jesus himself. Revival begins with repentance. And Isaiah is so direct, not only about how bad sin is, but also about how to come to the Lord and to be made clean again. Look at verse 16 and 17. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes and cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. These two verses are in this order for a specific reason. Repentance, as I said before, begins not with doing all of these good things, but in being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And once we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we can't help but do everything that is in verse 17. We can't help but let that interchange of our heart be reflected in our outer actions. Walk away from evil so that you can start trying to do good. We cannot earn forgiveness. It was given to us. We don't have to work for forgiveness, but we do need to live in a way that testifies to that forgiveness. Friends, inserted in this pronouncement of God's profound sadness over our actions and inactions is a glimmer of hope in verse 19 that we will feast in the house of Zion with him forever and that we will be eternally satisfied. But we first have to recognize how desperately we need his grace, how precious his blood and his body are. This table we're coming to today is not an ordinary meal. It is not a snack. It is not a symbol. It is a life we don't deserve, but God gave to us because he is at the end of life's road. He's at the end of the road that is today. He is at the end of the road as you go home today. He is waiting for us and he does not desire that we suffer, but he desires that we be made whole again and that we be cleansed. And when we share in this body, when we share in this blood, when we repent, as we come to this table, we repent of our sins. We're saying, Jesus, I want to be revived in you Again, I humbly receive what you have given to me. So friends, as you come to the table today, do you want to not only see revival, but experience revival? Do you want to be a part of God's new life here in this congregation? Then let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Let's get on our knees, both, figurative, both uh, spiritually and literally, if you would like to, as you come forward. Let us surrender that which is old. Let us embrace what is new. And let us continue to follow after the one whose blood was spilt, whose life was given, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.